should we do the thing where we ask you to introduce yourself and we should tell us how many times you've been on our podcast to talk about hacking? <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. My name's Bob McMillan. I'm the cybersecurity reporter here in San Francisco. And I've been on the journal podcast more times than I can remember talking about hacking. We could have a whole playlist <laughs> of Bob McMillan talking about hacking. Would it be a compendium? It would be a greatest hits. Greatest, greatest hits. hits. Okay. Yeah. And today, Bob, we're going to add to your greatest hits with a story about North Koreans. Oh, boy, Kate, I hope I can remember all the facts about this story because there's so many things they've done. It's nuts. Bob has covered the biggest, most outlandish hacking scams around the world. He reports on the techniques and the players. There are a couple of countries that are really well-known for hacking. The Chinese are really well-known for taking personal data and intellectual property from American companies. The Russians are known for disinformation and for destructive attacks. The North Koreans are known for stealing money. That's their jam. And they've, they've stolen an awful lot of it in the last five years. How much? How much have they stolen? The blockchain analytics company Chainalysis estimates that they've stolen more than $3 billion. Where do you rank them on a scale of one for not very good hacker and 10 super duper hacker? <laughs> the Bob McMillan <laughs> scale of hacking uh, dastardliness. Um, where would they fit on that? Yeah, I guess they're, you know, probably a, a good eight. Got to be a good eight right now in terms of just the consequences of what they're, what they're doing. Eight out of ten. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, June 22nd. Coming up on the show, how North Korea's hacker army stole $3 billion in crypto. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight. Live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. North Korea's emergence onto the global hacking stage started with a headline-grabbing stunt. In 2014, Sony was set to release a movie that was very critical of North Korea and North Korean leadership called The Interview. You want us to kill the leader of North Korea? Yes. And it was like this sort of Seth Rogen comedy movie that was set in North Korea and kind of spoofed uh, the, the entire country. And North Korea was like really offended by this film. And they hacked Sony. The whole world is being given a glimpse inside a major Hollywood studio as a relentless electronic hacking attack continues against Sony. Sony. First, the studio's movies were leaked. 
and now private emails are going public. A source at Sony tells us the company is looking into the possibility that hackers working for North Korea could be behind the attack. They broke in to Sony and they pretended to be hacktivist group. They hacked into Sony. They released all these um, internal emails. They embarrassed the heck out of the company. All out of spite because they didn't want to be made fun of. Yeah. And it put pressure on the distributors and on people involved with the film to not release it. People were scared by it, but it was also kind of silly, right? It's It was just um, very public and very... Just like, you can't release this movie about us or we're going to embarrass the heck out of your company. Over the years, North Korea escalated its hacking game. To understand just how, Bob has reviewed documents from court cases, interviewed government officials, and talked to experts in the field. And Bob says, after the Sony hack, North Korea started using hackers to steal money. And one of the very early cases was when state-sponsored hackers targeted a central bank. Well, they hacked into the, the Bank of Bangladesh, and they, they ordered all this money to be moved into accounts that they controlled. But they kind of screwed that one up, and they, they actually didn't make as much money as they could have from it. It could have been a billion-dollar hack. It ended up being a tens-of-million-dollar hack. But it showed that, like, really put them on the map as hackers who were capable who were smart, who could figure out complex financial systems, and who could steal millions of dollars from them. And we haven't mentioned the craziest one of all, though, right? And that was WannaCry. The WannaCry worm, ransomware worm. In 2017, North Korean hackers unleashed WannaCry. It was a self-copying ransomware. It jumped from computer to computer and tore across the globe. When a computer got infected, it would freeze up. The hackers targeted businesses, demanding they pay a ransom in Bitcoin to have their digital systems unlocked. But it was very, very clear from the very beginning that if you paid the ransom, nothing would ever happen. There was no mechanism to actually get your ransomware computer unlocked. So not a lot of businesses actually paid the Bitcoin. And for the record, North Korea denies involvement in the attack. But Bob says North Korean hackers learned something important. Crypto was a good way for them to get money. They could move money around anonymously and more easily avoid international sanctions. And so right around that time, is when they started really getting serious about crypto. And what they did was they started hacking cryptocurrency companies and then moving that money around uh, around the world and cashing it out. Can you describe the techniques they use? There are a variety of techniques that North Koreans use. I mean, phishing messages. So they send you an email with a link on it and you click on the link and then there's malicious software on your computer that gives them a way to learn your passwords and learn how you log into things, right? So phishing would be one. But over the years, these techniques have evolved, right? And so what's really remarkable is they've gone from very simple phishing techniques to much more complicated tactics, so what we're seeing nowadays are things like these very sophisticated social engineering scams where you have like a fake recruiter, but somebody you can actually talk to on the phone or video conference with. 
In these fake recruiter scams, someone connects with an employee from, say, a cryptocurrency company with an appealing job offer. The hacker gets this recruit to click on a link or download a document, which opens up access to that crypto company's servers. And there's one big case where this exact technique worked. North Korean hackers targeted an engineer at a gaming company called Sky Mavis. This engineer gets a note via LinkedIn, very standard recruiting pitch from another company. The engineer found the request to be interesting enough that he responded to it, and they had a back and forth. This engineer feels like they're moving through the recruitment process to a a job that's going to pay more money and maybe be a little bit more interesting than the Sky Mavis job. And at one point, the recruiter says, look, we need to to evaluate your, your technical proficiency. We need you to just review this document and give us some comments on it. So a document gets sent to the engineer at Sky Mavis, and that document was not a legitimate document. It was a Trojan horse that once downloaded gave the hackers access to the Sky Mavis network. So the guy thought, this engineer, thought he was being recruited for a new job. Right. But actually, by opening this document, he just let hackers into his company's servers. Right. And within a relatively short amount of time. They had mapped out the network. They had essentially discovered a, a flaw that even Sky Mavis itself didn't know about that, that occurred within their own networks. They were good. In Sky Mavis's game, users link their cryptocurrency accounts, and the hackers were able to get in and steal that crypto. And so Sky Mavis... They had a bunch of users who had been robbed. They themselves had been robbed. $600 million was gone. Sky Mavis has now repaid the victims of the cyber attack. But a company executive said the incident threatened the company's very existence. Sky Mavis was the largest hack that the North Koreans ever pulled off. It was at over $600 million. It it dwarfs all of the other ones, and it accounts for about a fifth of the money that these North Korean hackers have stolen from cryptocurrency companies over the last five years. And does this vault North Korea now up into the elite echelons of hackers? Well, it's hard to argue that they don't fit in there. North Korean hackers are pulling in billions. Coming up, what the country does with all that loot. Since North Korea's hackers have started targeting crypto, they've stolen an estimated $3 billion. What have they used the money for? Well, the most concerning use of it is the missile program, right? Last year, North Korea had more than 42 successful missile launches, according to data tracked by researchers. Bob asked the White House about the connection between the crypto attacks and North Korea's missile program. And he heard from Deputy National Security Advisor Ann Neuberger. 
she said, are they related? Well, she, you know, she couldn't say, but you just can't help but notice that there's been this, um, these two things have happened at the same time. And definitely the White House believes that half of the funding for the missile program in North Korea is coming from, from hacking. So the fact that they've been so successful at this, it seems uh, impossible to doubt that it's, it's helped that. Did you reach out to the North Koreans? North Korea has a mission in New York. And so we reached out to the um, North Korean United Nations mission and they did not respond to our request for a comment. Now, the U.S. is in a cat and mouse game with North Korea to try to either recover the stolen crypto or stop the North Koreans from being able to convert the crypto into cash. Over the last year, with the Treasury Department taking a big interest in this, the FBI has, has pushed out alerts about this. So there's definitely been an effort to, to seize and disrupt them in the last year or so. What exactly has the U.S. done? Well, I mean, the FBI has published the cryptocurrency wallets used by North Korea, which has made it harder for them to cash out their stolen money. The Treasury Department has detailed the tactics that the North Koreans have used in an effort to, you know, kind of get the word out to other potential victims that this kind of stuff is happening. But it's it's hard to really go after the root of the problem because it's in North Korea. What is the crypto industry doing to make the stealing of crypto more difficult? You know, it's pretty tough to get, I mean, hats off to Sky Mavis for talking about this because it's pretty tough to get somebody to say like, hey, we were hacked by the North Koreans. It was a social engineering attack and and this is how it worked and this is how much they stole. You know, like I think there's a, there's a strong incentive for people to, to just keep quiet when, when this happens because it's embarrassing and you know, the North Koreans are, are, are dangerous. And so I think people are a little bit afraid of them. What are the stakes for the U.S. of North Korea's crypto stealing? Ultimately, North Korea has a missile program that is thought to be capable of reaching the west coast of the United States today. They're a nuclear power and they're you know, in a pretty hostile relationship with the United States right now. So ultimately, the stakes are, you know, how far are they going to be able to take their their weapons development? I think that's like the ultimate concern about all of this. And down from that very worrying concern is just this idea that a nation could act almost like privateers, right? You know, just global crypto pirates running around and breaking into whoever they want and stealing money and causing disruption for financial gain. I mean, earlier this year, there were ransomware attacks linked to North Korea that were affecting hospitals in the United States. They're shutting down computer systems in U.S. hospitals. And the ultimate goal there was to just get some cryptocurrency for this dictatorship. And I mean, that's... It's kind of horrifying to think about. So is stealing cryptocurrency a sustainable way for North Korea to fund itself? It feels like it is. It feels like they're still 
Despite all the efforts of the U.S. government, they're still finding ways to convert to local currency. It's not as easy as it used to be, but they're still hacking cryptocurrency companies. That hasn't stopped. So they feel like it's, it's worthwhile. That's clear. That's all for today, Thursday, June 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Dustin Volz. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.